Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Lindsay Johnson. Lindsay is the Director of Internal Communications at FICO. We talk about how she brings a journalistic approach to internal communications and how FICO works to champion and broadcast employee expertise. We spent time talking about FICO's new internal podcast network. Frequently, internal communications can have a very top-down feel to it. This piece of executive communications and that update about your benefits. We've all received this type of messaging before. What FICO is doing is a bit different in this podcast network. They're inviting colleagues and peers to drive the conversation, to celebrate each other through content about sales wins or special talents that they might possess. And you know what? The content has scaled. It has scaled in volume of content creation, but also across departments and countries. Do you want to activate employee experience? How about actually inviting employees to talk about their experiences? When most people think about podcasts, they think about content that gets shared to Apple and Spotify. But the future of podcasts is horizontal. It's on your internet, on Teams, in Slack, in your LMS, and on your blogs. With Venly, your audio content can live on all of those places and with security and analytics so that you can understand how people are engaging with the content. Interested in how audio can play a role in how your business communicates? Email me directly at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the amazing Lindsay Johnson. Hi, Lindsay. Hey, Brian. Nice to see you. Thanks so much for having me today. Thanks for being here. Lindsay Johnson is the Director of Internal Communications at FICO, a global leader in decisioning analytics. While her technical skills are admittedly kind of lame, her words, not mine, what Lindsay does know a lot about is people, how to connect them, how to listen to them, and how to make them feel comfortable and at ease. She's a creative storyteller, daily blogger, and experienced podcaster. With a passion for seeing the good in everything and making others see it too, a self-anointed princess of positivity, if you will. Motivated by her desire to inspire and create engaging, fun, resonant content that people want to read and share, Lindsay believes in doing her part to empower employees at the office, both virtually and in person, creating safe spaces for people to be authentically them. She's a hardcore inclusion and belonging champion whose internal cons philosophy is, if you honor them, they will come. Lindsay, thank you again. Oh, it is my pleasure, Brian. I really appreciate the invite and uh, the chance to talk to you today and your listeners. Yeah, thank you. So let's, let's start at the beginning. Your first career was in magazines and journalism. I'm curious, what lessons did you learn from that industry that you've applied to internal communications? Yeah, I spent the first 10 years or so of my career as a a working journalist. And there are so, so many important lessons that come from that work that actually feed internal communications and the work that I've been doing, not the least of which is the relationship building, right? When you're a reporter and you're young and you're hungry and you're trying to figure out How am I going to navigate this space and do the best work that I can for my readers? You can't do it if you can't establish uh, really strong, trusting relationships. 
And that's something that has truly fed my internal comms career. I learned from working as a journalist, from cultivating sources, from trying to understand what they needed in order to tell me their stories. Uh, I've taken those skills and I've really just applied them internally. I think there's a desire at um, at companies for, for employees to be heard, right? They want a chance to have the floor. They wanna be able to speak their minds and feel like they matter. And that's a lesson I took directly from my my journalism days, and I have to say it's it's really um, it's really paid off uh, in dividends in in terms of getting people to trust that you're doing right by them. And I think another lesson that really comes from from that work in my past is this idea of knowing your audience. You might hear me say this a couple of times today, but it bears repeating because it is just so important. This idea of you need to know who you're writing for when you're writing. It's it's very easy to get lost inside of, oh, here's all the information I have and here's how I feel about the information. Here's how I'm interpreting it. But none of that really matters is if at the end of the day, it's not translating for the people that you're writing it for. They really need to be the star, not you, you know, not the interview. So just like, who is reading this? Um, and those are two huge lessons I've, I've taken and they've served me well in the comm space. It's interesting. I think there are a lot of communications professionals who will sit there and they'll say, you know, we craft the story and the culture. But you have a little bit of a different take, right? Like you believe that the organization's culture determines the communication strategy. Do you have a practical example of where an effective messaging strategy was informed by existing corporate culture? Yeah, I I absolutely do believe that. That really is my uh, underlying philosophy of everything that I work on is this idea that you know the culture is the driver. And we focus on that and we figure out how to talk to our people based on that. I've been thinking about this and you know, specific examples can, not to be evasive, can be a little bit hard to pinpoint, but I can give you a really good way of thinking about it in my in my current work at FICO. We're a very analytical company. There's people from all walks of our business, but and they do different things, but a tie that binds us all together is this idea of like getting into the really nitty gritty, like wanting to pull it all apart, wanting to know how the stuff and things work. You can tell I'm clearly not a technical person because stuff and things is how I would refer to these very complicated things that we do. Um, but people want all that they can grab onto here if I go. And that's something that really has changed the way I've looked at our communications. In the past, when I would want to send out messaging that explained certain aspects of what we're doing or, or strategy, corporate strategy, what have you, you know, I try to take this top line approach, be direct, but quick, right? Like everyone's inboxes is, is kind of junky. Let's not make it worse, right? Um, but I have found that inside of this company, these people are hungry. They want more, they ask questions, they're curious. My mind as I'm writing and working through as a content creator and as a a partner stakeholder for other people who drive content, I have to look really deeply at the material here because I know that people are going to be digging in the holes, right? They really wanna know what's buried down in there. And so I can't take this very top line approach, this very sort of like drag, boom, fast, tell me what you're trying to tell me. I'll still do that but I have to see around the corners with the folks that work here because they really do care and they're curious. So I think when you're a comms person and you're you're trying to figure out how are you gonna create this resonant effective messaging, you have to understand that about your people. And then even if that's like not your style or not your jam, 
you're going to have to learn to adapt around that because that's how the messaging becomes relevant and resonant. So I think what you're talking about is understanding the roots and where the company has been and is. But then there's things like COVID, right? And last summer's you know societal unrest. How can internal communications play a role in determining the future of an organization's culture? I think it's never been more important to think about how communications can inform change and shape culture than it is right now. I think we've, as you've pointed out, um, I think we've hit just a place of significant and profound change in the world. We're not just talking about you know, the US where we're based, we're talking about true global incidents that had impact on on everyone's lives. And it's permanently changed us. It was an unprecedented um, time in our lives. And I don't think it's one that will be uh, soon forgotten. And I think we've learned some real lessons from it. I think the benefit that communications has is the transparency of thought, the acknowledgement and the recognition that things are not perfect and that that's okay. Something that I was really pleasantly surprised about in our case at FICO and actually in the world, I've, I've seen this from a lot of other companies, I've heard this from a lot of other comms professionals, is that unlike other periods of history and time, things would happen, there was a little more rug sweeping underage going on there, like when tough things happen, less corporate acknowledgement of what's happening in our world. Some of that's been changed by um, inclusion and belonging and the DEI movement, and I'm thrilled that we have it. Um, and your previous guest, um, Shade Mohammed, did an amazing job really uh, addressing that and talking about that. Um, everyone should take a listen to that. But I think in, in the world of comms, it gives us an opportunity to be transparent, right? lay it bare for people and say, this is a time in the world that all this is happening. We know there is impact here. We feel it too. And we're letting you know that, you know, we're owning it a little bit. That's something that I think we did a really good job at FICO of doing from, from the executives on down, um, from a top-down approach. And I've seen other companies be strong in this space too. So in this changing environment and in our world that is clearly evolving, you know, by the minute. Um, comms has an opportunity to own it, to share it, to keep the lines of communication just open and fresh and, and give people a voice in a way that it hasn't happened before. Back in the day, comms was just like, you know, this thing is happening, this meeting is happening, the CEO needs to say this. And there was a greater focus on just that basic message. There, there wasn't really this we get where you're coming from. And I feel that's changing in the corporate space. Yeah, I think you're spot on, but I do think it's worth acknowledging that in financial services, this is just an observation outside looking in, communications internally is held very close to the vest. And I think rightfully so in many instances, because if an announcement gets out, it can move a market. So there's real implications to how communications is handled internally. But this is a little bit different than what you're saying, right? Which is you want to honor people in their work and keep them not on a need to know basis, right? But inform them and then also solicit their feedback. So is there a retraining that you've had to do? Like, how are you able to sell through that type of strategy internally? Or was this just sort of part of the culture before you got there? 
Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I and I would say that the answer I probably would have given to that question a year ago um, is different than the answer that I will give today. Um, and that actually surprises even myself uh, as I'm about to explain it. So something that's really interesting to me about FICO is that even though you would assume this close to the vestness, which does make sense for financial institutions and is more typical, because of that natural practice of curiosity that I mentioned that, that a lot of our people really have, they, they want to know more, they're really analytical. I think we are a bit of an exception to the rule in that respect, because we, our people are really, really interested in, in the nitty gritty and they want to know more all the time, always. <laughs> At the same time, I would say that I was not walking into a culture where people were very open to speaking transparently and just sort of being as they are. Meaning, I don't know if a Vico was prepared for a me. <laughs> I'm a very different type of personality. It's it's very specific. Um, I'm very hard on sleeve, and I believe in in really selling that to people and really practicing what you preach. In that, I live out loud, as I like to call it, and I like other people to do it as well. I mean, I, I want to give them that safe space and place to do it. I think our people were ready for it, but nobody was maybe actively working to find a path to open that door for them. Right. One of the most um, enlightening exercises that I've I've participated in since coming to FICO was starting a daily blog. Um, I have blogged in the past, but never regularly. And I made a decision um, at the start of the fiscal year that at least for one year, I was going to do a daily internal communications blog. And it was going to be uh, completely like morning pages. Those, those writers out there understand what this is. Um, it was not scripted. It was not planned. I would wake up every day, every morning, have no idea what I was going to write and treat the blog almost like that journaling exercise of morning pages. So whatever I was thinking in the day, boom, that's what I was going to go with. I don't take requests. I, I don't tone it down. It just is what it is. And that to me was like, okay, I'm going to put a stake in the ground out there and see what this transparent discussion in a very traditionally conservative setting is is going to turn out like. No clue. Just gonna 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 let it roll, which is which is how I how I do things. And I was very pleasantly surprised and almost disarmed at times to recognize that if you put that out there in the world, you will find the response. The response will come. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes another person to jump out on on the ledge and and share these thoughts openly. Um, but that blog connected me to so many people inside of the business and really gave me an incredible perspective on what really moves and matters to our people. And what came out of that effort is recognizing that this transparency that's living in pockets right now that we're we're using the changes in our world to help bring about and, and is happening in the blog and happening in other aspects of our business, this is welcome and appreciated and, and people warm to it and they stand up and respond in kind to it. And it just makes us more open as a result. So it's almost like this circle of life around um, around giving the avenues. I don't think our 
executives or anyone of significance at the company is opposed to any of that or ever was. I think it's just taking a fresh look at it and and being someone who's just not afraid to to go out there and ask the questions, like do the focus groups, write the blogs, get, you know, get the opinions, um, participate in the in the engagement survey work. That's really opened a lot of doors and it's taught me a lot about our people and it's really helped inform how we talk to them in our communications. So another big initiative, you have the morning pages style blog. You're, you're rolling out an internal podcast network. Can you talk a little bit about why you're building this and what you're hoping to achieve with it? Absolutely, because this is a labor of love, passion project, just absolute joy for myself and the small group of colleagues that's working on it. The concept for this was really born out of the idea that I wanted to find a way to use new communications vehicles to tell stories. I'm a storyteller at heart. We talked about my journalistic roots. I'm always looking for the story and something and everything does have a story. And I wanted to create an environment where we could empower our own people inside the company kind of like what your podcast is dealing with, right? Like from not the executive level, empower people all over the business who work in the company to have this opportunity to cultivate their own unique voice and use their own ability to create and share content with our people. So it's really based on this by employees for employees bedrock. Um, They love acronyms at FICO and I tried to make an acronym out of this, but it comes out to beefy by employees for employees. And we agreed that wasn't um, a very good acronym. So I am no longer the resident acronym maker. Um, I have been I have been let go from those duties. But um, the by employees for employees concept is what is really the foundation of this idea. And We've started um, with a core group of people who've come together with their own particular ideas that they that they want to put out in the world and in different subject areas uh, inside of inside of FICO. And the plan is to open that up more broadly over time and give best practices and allow anyone inside of our employee base who can kind of stick to those best practices, have their own ideas, have this desire to share their ideas and knowledge with the company with the rest of the company because employee empowerment uh, in communications is kind of the place where I've, you know, set my tent and built a camp. I think that that is the future of of really happy, engaged, satisfied people at work. It comes from giving people that ability to be a part of the story, right? Like we're not just telling them the story anymore. They are part of the story. They are creating part of the story. It's a bit of a like choose your own adventure moment. And at the same time, we're hopefully entertaining and and educating and engaging our people. At that same time we're doing that, we're really empowering them to be a leadership voice in the organization. And that kind of work Uh, used to be very much reserved for only the elite of the elite, right? Only the small portion of people that worked in a company would ever really be able to shape that story and that direction. And I'd like to see us get to a place where that is more broadly available to people, that they're trusted to do that based on the expertise they have. 
And that expertise they have to offer everyone is sort of championed and celebrated uh, and broadcast because we're, like other companies, a global organization. And it gives us an opportunity to get to know our colleagues around the world and let us all equally be a piece of that story. Uh, obviously, I'm very biased. I, I love audio. I've committed my entire career to the industry. I think you're touching on a couple really key points that I just want to really zoom in on. Audio is popular for a lot of reasons. It's a very authentic medium. It's a genuine medium. You hear someone's voice. There isn't a visual bias. It's super scalable, as I think you'll you'll attest to. It's portable. It allows for asynchronous uh, consumption of the content. Right, So your global employee base, they don't need to be live on the all hands. They can still consume this at a time zone at a time when they're walking their dogs or something like that, whenever that works for them. But there's a, like sort of a dirty little secret here, which is worth calling out, which is not everyone likes being on video. And not everyone has the stamina, the energy and the desire to create a daily blog like you do. That stresses me out a ton. But can I talk for 10 minutes once a week, 15 minutes once a week with a colleague that I trust on a topic area that I feel passionately about? There's a little bit of prep work, but that is very, very, very scalable. And it invites so many more people into that conversation because it takes away the, oh, what does my room look like? Is my lighting okay? Do I need makeup? I don't even understand. What's my camera set up? Like I'm literally right now in my wife's closet using the free headphones that come with this iPhone standard. This is a very low tech and it will sound good because the production process is a really seamless, easy thing to do. There's so many reasons to be creating audio, both obvious and some that are a little bit more hidden. Yes to all the things. <laughs> I couldn't, I, 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 sh- I could agree more. And I think I share your philosophy across the board. Um, and I, I would love an opportunity to work inside of my closet all day long. I mean, I have I have I can do a lot of work in there at the same time. I think the accessibility piece of audio is is critical. Um, there are a lot of people, like you said, that are very intimidated at the idea of being on video. And as you know, and I know, and I think all your listeners will know, you know, Zoom is where it's at, yo. I mean, this is this is where it's all going. We're going from a predominantly working in an office situation to working at home. For some of us, this is more temporary. For others, this is the permanent setup, right? This is how it's going to be. So this is how we're interfacing with people. We're losing some of this in-person piece, um, but there's an intimidation factor of like feeling like I'm going to be recorded and someone's going to be looking at me every minute of, of every day. I read an interesting article this morning in Forbes um, that addressed this this very concept about this idea of being on video and like feeling like you know weird about it and how like offices used to be culture like we could get away with saying like the office we worked in like that's our culture now it's like nope can't do that anymore because that's not a thing I mean it's it's not looking like that anymore so one of the ways that we can make people feel comfortable and give them that voice is by actually just focusing on their voice. Um, it's super distracting at times, like you pointed out, to have to worry about like backgrounds and like, I don't know, like, is it better that people see me on like some plain gray background that doesn't like represent my personality? Or are you going to try to dissect every like little thing behind me? Or should I look like I have like a hammock, you know, and a tiki bar behind me? Like, I don't know what to do with that. That stuff gets in the way sometimes of the things that we really want to talk about and share. And 
in my world and the people that I'm talking with, the the idea of the audio, it lets people focus and not so much think about those distractions or let them actually be distractions. And it gives them this, you know, sense of leveled playing field, right? People, I think, feel less judged. I think people are less um, intimidated. I think that they're more open. Like, I think that they worry less um, about what they're going to say and how they're going to say it because they're more natural and it's easier for them. I had plenty of people who I'm interviewing for our, our podcast network. I have a show on the network with a partner. Um, is this going to be on video? Like, that's like one of the early questions. And I, I usually tell them, well, we'll be on Zoom, but we're not going to be using your video. Like, that's not going to happen. And, and they feel relieved at that. And I've watched people come out of shells um, recognizing that we were truly going to hear them and listen to them. And there was going to be no concern about judgment, uh, preconceived notions, inherent bias. All this is going to go out the window because you're just hearing what this person is saying. Amazing how candid someone will be with you when there isn't a white light flashing in their face for five minutes as they try and read off of a teleprompter or remember a lines or something like that. What are some of the topic areas that your network are covering? Um, so right now, because we had to start somewhere, what we did was this core group of seven or eight folks that came together to make the network a reality, um, each came with their own ideas for what mattered to them. So we're kind of focused on different areas across the business. Um, myself and, and another wonderful co-host work on a show that's focused on inclusion and belonging specifically. Um, we're a very product-driven organization, um, and we have someone who's focusing on new products, really being able to talk to our people about, again, I'm going back to my my clearly technical know-how, what do the stuff and things do? Um, someone's going to tell us what the stuff and things do and talk to the, the product managers and, and get feedback um, that, that will help our people really understand our business. Um, there's another great show that people are really enjoying around sales wins. Um, how did people get the deals done? What was interesting about them? What can our salespeople learn from, from hearing these stories? Um, that's another great show. Something that focuses on digital banking uh, and fintech. And, and there's a twist with that show that also brings in some food and beverage pairings. So um, there's a, a fun little braid going on there between the work stuff and the fun stuff. And again, like I said earlier, we're informing, we're entertaining, we're engaging. It's trying to get all of those pieces. And based on the user acceptance testing we've done on the network, we went through a formalized eight-week program where we were releasing new episodes um, to a very um, diverse global audience inside the company. We were collecting feedback from week to week. We were looking at that feedback from week to week, and we were reacting in real time to that feedback from week to week. One of the things that bubbled to the surface, and we were expecting this, was that because we're a global company, we wanted, we meaning the people, us, our employees, wanted to see an international presence inside of this network, right? We wanted people who were hosting from around the world. We wanted guests from around the world. And so based on that, we were able to reach out to a colleague in Bangalore who we know is very talented and has interest in this space and, and gauge, her, um, gauge her investment and interest 
inside of becoming a host on the network. She was thrilled to do it and came up with a really um, amazing concept, I love it, um, around focusing on the star quality of the people who work inside of our company. Like we're all very good, hopefully, hopefully, at what we do for a living, that's why we're here. Um, and that's great. And and yes, we care about what you do as Lindsay Johnson, internal communications director of FIGO. But who are you as a human being? Like who is Lindsay Johnson as a person? What are the things you like to do? What are the talents that you bring to the table? Where are your passions? Um, in order to get to know our people globally better because we are so geographically diverse, why don't we find that out? Like, why are we not asking people about that? We have some very incredible colleagues and workers, but human beings and friends inside of the business. And one of our shows is is truly aimed at, at looking at that and getting to know our people. So um, I'm just really excited that we've we've built such a, a wide variety of lineup to start. And the goal is certainly to grow and expand this over time and let our people decide what are some other really great ideas. We have tons of open avenues of communication for them to give us feedback. Uh, we basically beg for it um, because we know it's the engine that makes the network run and we want them to understand this is for you. We, we as content creators, like I said earlier, we truly did not make this network for us. We made it for you and you are us. And I've said it, that gets a little confusing, but we are we are working for ourselves and we are working for each other. And I think that that message came through loud and clear in our pilots. Lindsay, thank you again for your time and your wisdom today. If you like this episode, you will love the next conversation with Susan Schmidt Winchester. Susan is the CHRO at Applied Materials. Thanks again for listening. And until next time with Susan Schmidt Winchester.